0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whittaker, and as usual, it's great to have you here with us today. Thank you for all the compliments we've been getting regarding the podcast. I really do appreciate them. And if you're one of those people who haven't yet left us a review for the show, I would really appreciate it if you did. The ratings and reviews are extremely helpful and they're greatly appreciated. They do matter in the rankings of the show because it helps other people to find our podcast and I obviously really love to hear what's been helpful to you. So all you need to do to leave us a review is to go to the Apple Podcast app, search Grow My Salon Business, scroll to the bottom of the page and leave a review and you would make us very happy. So with that said, on with today's show. I had an email recently from, I'm going to describe her as a frustrated salon owner, and I'm going to read out what she said in her email. She said, in my salon, I believe and feel that everyone should be helping keep the salon clean and everything flowing smoothly. She said, what I mean by that is that regardless of the fact that I'm the owner or that they are qualified stylists, some of whom have been with me for more than 10 years, I think that everyone should pick up a broom and sweep or help with dishes or doing the towels, etc. Am I wrong in doing that? Should I get someone else to do that kind of work? My heart feels that if everyone can help, I don't have to pay extra people. And then she went on to say, I also use tinfoil and I wash it at least once to save money. Is this a no-no? Because I expect my stylist to help with that as well when they're not busy, but they refuse because they feel it's not their duty. I would really like to hear from you. Am I approaching this in the wrong way? And then the last thing she said was, my staff work on basic salary and commissions. So that's an important addition to that comment. So where do we start? Let's start by saying that that email could have come from a salon owner anywhere in the world, as it expresses one of the challenges that exist in many salons everywhere. And there's no easy or quick answer or quick fix to solve the problem, except to say that it's easier to prevent that problem happening in the first place than it is to try and solve the problem once it is happening. So let's have a talk about it. As a business coach, when someone tells me about a situation like this, the first thing I do is I say, well, how did you set it up at the beginning? And I'll get a range of answers, but typically both the problem and the possible solutions go right back to the beginning. And I don't just mean the beginning of someone's employment, but I mean the beginning of the business. Because... It's at the beginning of the business where the culture is established. And when I say the culture is established, I mean that the culture happens whether you consciously define it or not. I I sort of think of culture as being this is how we do it here. And if you don't consciously define and create the culture that you want in your business, then it just happens anyway as a result. You're not defining it. It just gets defined by the people who work there and it becomes what is easiest or most convenient for them. But what is easiest and most convenient for them isn't usually what is best for the business. So when you start a business, you need to define the culture that you want by defining what your values are as a business and then write them down and discuss what they mean and then employ people that are a fit with those values and then train people and what that looks like in terms of the daily actions and behaviors. Now, by doing that, you're starting to create a culture and attracting a team that believe in the same values that you do. And doing that is a lot easier than changing the values of someone who's been working there for five years or six months. If you say to someone on your team, whether they're on their first day with you or they've been with you for 10 years, if you say to them, teamwork is important here, it's one of our values, in all likelihood, they will agree with you. But if you take it the next step and you say, and what teamwork means here is that we all pitch in and we all help each other, we all help to clean the salon and keep the salon tidy. We all fold the towels and sweep the floor. We all clean the mirrors and the worktops. We all empty and restack the dishwasher. We all take a turn at cleaning the washroom. We all help each other out with clients if we need to. We all do the laundry. And we all do this regardless of age or title or seniority because, well, that is what teamwork is. But what you've now done is clearly define the actions and behaviours that demonstrate teamwork as opposed to just expressing a vague platitude that teamwork is important because everyone will agree with you that teamwork is important as long as they don't have to do it. You see, if you start by defining your values and all values mean is what's important to you. So what's important to you and your business? That's what values are. So if you start by defining your values and exactly what that means in terms of the actions and behaviors, meaning what it looks like on a day-to-day basis, then you're starting to create your culture. Now, when you do things like what I just said, you know, that we all empty and restack the dishwasher, we all take turns at cleaning the, the washroom, we all help each other out with clients if we need to. When you start defining stuff like that, will they all like it? Of course they won't. Some of them are really going to push back against that. And if you talked about your values as a team and what that looks like while you were recruiting and when you were onboarding new people, would some of them say that they didn't want to work there? Definitely. 100%. But here's the thing. I'd rather find that out at the beginning rather than when they'd been there for six months, and now they've turned into a real pain in the backside and they won't do their share of the work. You see, if it's a value of yours, start by defining what it looks like in terms of the daily actions and behaviours. Then recruit to those standards. Train to those standards. Make those standards a no-compromise part of your culture from day one. And that's hard because you have to be consistent. And consistency means doing it even when you don't feel like it. And that's hard. Just ask anyone who goes to the gym or goes running or does anything that's really worthwhile. It's hard sometimes. And you won't always feel like doing it. So whether consistency means you actually doing the job, whatever the job is, you know, sweeping up or helping with the cleaning, etc. cetera, or if consistency means that you as a manager need to be pulling someone up but not doing their job, you have to be consistent about that. And guess what? You're not going to feel like doing that all the time either. But that's why it's hard, because consistency at anything is hard. But you and they either do it or not. And if you or they don't do it, then there's a consequence and whether that consequence means that you pulling them up on it and having a conversation reminding them of the values of the business and the definition of what the actions and behaviors around those values look like and the job description that they have etc then one of three things are going to happen the first is that they will start to do them the second is that they won't do them and they'll leave and the third is But they won't do them, and eventually you'll just give up asking. And that's where the problem starts for most salon owners, because up to this point, most of them will agree with the theory of what I've said. But where it all starts to go wrong is when you've let the situation fester, and months or even years might have passed, and then you want to start changing the culture. Well, good luck with that. Because it will almost definitely end in tears and quite possibly yours. (laughs) Because when you start trying to get people to do stuff that they haven't had to do, then you're going to get some pushback. You'll have a fight on your hands and either you'll back off because you don't want them to leave or they'll leave because they don't like the changes. And that's where you have to decide how bad do you want the changes? Because if you can't live with it the way that it is, then you have to own that as being something that you have allowed to happen over time. But if you're determined to change it, then accept that you may very well lose some people in the process. But at least you'll then be able to establish the culture that you want. But it may very well be a case of, you know, two steps back to go three steps forward in time. It all comes down to how bad do you want it? I think that there's four points to prevent the situation from happening in the first place. The first one is that it's really important to set up a clear expectation at the beginning because if there isn't an onboarding or an induction or an orientation of this is how we do it here, then you'd be naive to expect it to happen. They will do whatever is best and easiest for them or whatever they're used to doing. So if it's not set up properly at the beginning, you're pretty much beaten before you start. You may have heard the expression, "clear is kind. I think it was Brene Brown who popularized it. Claire is kind. Unclear about your expectations is unkind. The second point is it has to be part of the culture. You see, not everyone has the same values. Not everyone was brought up the same way. Not everyone has come from a family or a way of living or a way of working where what you want done is the norm. So to expect other people just to do it because it's the right thing to do is never going to work. It has to be set up at the beginning as a non-negotiable part of our salon culture. The third point is that issue of consistency, meaning everyone, every time. It doesn't mean you have to become an ogre. It's just that, you know, you're stating that these are our standards. This is how we do it here. Always. It's non-negotiable. And people that aren't a fit, you don't employ, or if they have managed to slip through, then you reach a point where you have to let them go because these are your standards. It is non-negotiable. And the fourth point is that point about consequence. There has to be a consequence. You see, there's always a consequence to everything. It's just a matter of, is the consequence that people leave Or is the consequence that you have to get rid of people? Or is the consequence that as a result of you talking to them, that they change and that everyone realise that it's made a positive difference for everyone and they can't understand why they and you didn't do it before? Or is the consequence that nothing changes so that you're just left feeling annoyed and frustrated about the situation? A couple of other things that were mentioned in the email was that they are on a salary and commission. So on that basis, they're meant to do whatever's in their job description. So assuming that there is a job description. And so if there's a job description and they're not actively doing clients and you're paying them for that time, then you're quite entitled to be getting them doing cleaning or training or whatever because it's in their paid time. But as I said, if you haven't set it up like that at the beginning, then regardless of the fact that you're entitled to be asked them to do whatever jobs that you want done, then you're going to have a fight on your hands because they would see it as it's not my job because you've allowed them to think and act like that. That has become part of your culture Now, of course, you could employ someone else as a cleaner or a housekeeper to be doing those sort of jobs. But obviously, that person has to be paid too. And as a salon owner, you only have a certain amount of revenue to cover all of your employee costs. So unless by employing a cleaner or assistant or housekeeper, whatever you're going to call them, unless by doing that, it enabled the stylist to be more productive and therefore generate more revenue because they're no longer doing those other tasks, which then would mean that they could take more clients and maybe have shorter appointment times, etc., which would then produce more revenue to cover that extra wage. Well, if you could do that, then it would be a win-win for everybody. But only if they're producing more revenue to cover that extra wage. You also mentioned that you wash and reuse foil. Now, look, I've never done that. But in this world of trying to be more sustainable and reuse resources where possible, I know that there's plenty of people out there that do that for both financial and environmental reasons. And so once again, if they're being paid by the hour, regardless of whether they're busy with the client or sat in the break room, then you're quite entitled to get them to help with that job, regardless of whether they feel it's their duty or not. It all comes down to what you've listed in their job description as to what their duties consist of when they don't have a client. You know, building a business isn't always an easy job. I'm sure I don't have to tell you that. But when you do create a culture of like-minded professionals who love what they do and support each other for the benefit of the clients, the business, and everyone who works there, It's an incredibly rewarding experience for everyone at lots of different levels. That's your job as a manager. That's your job as a leader and business owner. And I know that you can do it too. We have multiple free resources on our website. You're listening to one of them at the moment, our weekly podcast. But we also have the two-minute salon manager videos. We have hundreds of those on our website, as well as our paid-for resources, whether it's our books, our one-to-one coaching, or our online courses. Now relative to today's podcast and the subject we've been talking about, there's a couple of resources that I want to point you towards. The first is my books, particularly Grow To Management and Grow Three Team. A lot of what we discussed today. Comes from content covered in those two books. And shortly, we will be relaunching our online management program where we go into a lot more detail about building your business from the ground up and creating the culture that you want. So if you want to find out more about that, then visit us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Instagram, again, at growmysalonbusiness. And I'll also put the links to those uh, in our show notes for today's podcast on our website. So don't forget to subscribe and remember, leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. So to wrap up, thanks for listening to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast.